grab your Bible and turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. Father, I thank you. As I heard Griffin play that song, Lord, you ministered to my heart as I thought of your word where it says, One generation declares to another of the goodness and the greatness of you. Lord, on days like today when we think about uh, our future leaders and our young leaders now, Lord, as the melody is the same, the message is the same, but the identity and the methods may look a little bit different, I pray that you would help us do just that, pass on our faith one to the next. Now, Lord, would you open our eyes and our ears to hear from you now. In your name I pray. Amen. Amen. Jeremiah chapter 29 is a passage of scripture that we heard uh, at least one of our parents uh, declare before the Lord for their student. It's a very popular passage of scripture. Uh, Jeremiah 29 11 is one that we like to recite at chapter markings in our life over and over and over. I don't know if uh, you have been inundated in this graduation season with people that you've gone to visit or wish well and you think about the bright future that's involved for them, but whether graduation is on your mind or not, all of us can think about a chapter in our life starting. Maybe it's a chapter in your life where you're just entering into retirement or a chapter in your life where you're just embracing what it means to be grandma and grandpa. Maybe it's a chapter in your life that you are seeing health that is failing. Maybe it's a chapter in your life where you see your career taking a turn or you're entering into a new uh, stage of life with kids or whatever it may be. But we all see new chapters in our life and we hear a passage of scripture like Jeremiah 29 11, and that says to us, you can look there, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. I love that. That's kind of like moments where my future is so bright I have to wear sunglasses kind of a thing. It's just nothing can stand in my way because I love God. He has a future for me. This morning I've got good news, bad news, and better news. This is the good news. We love a verse like this. I think it's easy to let our minds slip into thoughts of, God, you have plans for me. Every job interview ahead of me, they will say, yes, yes, yes. God, you have plans to prosper me. I see a bank account with lots of zeros in in the back part, not in the front part. Just lots of things accumulating. God, I see you have plans for me. You have that special person, the love of my life, who is absolutely perfect. You have wonderful plans for me. Well, Here's the bad news. We'll just dive right into it. We, we don't like to look at Jeremiah 29.10. Look at that with me real fast. Oh, this is exciting on graduation Sunday. The context here is the children of Israel, they're in exile. They're, they're in, in bondage. And look what, what the Lord says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my gracious promise to bring you back to this place. Isn't that great on graduation Sunday? Isn't that great on this next chapter of your life? In other words, God has a plan for you in 70 years. I can't wait to second service. I've got a few graduates here. I can't wait to second service where there's a bunch of graduates. And I'll say, find your nearest 80 or 90 year old. And by the time you get there, God will have a plan for you. Oh, it feels like a life sentence. 
I thought four years of high school was long. I thought 18 years of raising my children was long. 70 years? God had a plan for them, but but He's going to take them through all that stuff. I think sometimes because of our instant gratification society, we try to speed up things that take time, and the things that should be so simple, we overcomplicate. And what feels like a, a life prison sentence, that not getting what I want right away, or not being able to articulate everything, is really a blessing from God, but that's the better news, and we'll hold off on that for a minute. But if, if you got some of the handout notes that were passed out outside of the bulletin. I'm going to move to that portion now. Uh, I believe that it's this life sentence that God wants us to look at this morning. You see, your life is a contribution, can be summed up in one sentence. What would be written on your tombstone is, is going to be able to describe who you were as a person. I want to look in moments like this and say, my future is so bright, God has all these wonderful plans for me, but rarely do we start with the end in mind. I just want to have the good stuff right now. Uh, Rarely do I say, okay, in 70 or 80 years, what will be the culmination of that life? What would be the one sentence that could describe that? To help you see what I'm talking about, we'll go to this next slide here. We can see some, some pictures. There's people that we all have heard of that in one word or one phrase or for sure in one sentence, we can sum up what their contribution or what they have meant to us. When we see George Washington, you, you might think of freedom. You might think of first president of the United States. Now, there's a whole lot more to this man than just these two phrases, but this is a life sentence for him. This is a commitment that he has made that we have benefited from. There's other individuals that may not be in the same category, but there's someone like this, that his life sentence could be summed up really in one three-letter word that's put before his last name. It just kind of sums up everything that we know about him and his impact that he has had. It's the Air Jordan. The the basketball player who defies gravity, who makes what is so hard seem so simple, making other professionals look absolutely silly. He's been out of the game for a long, long time, and yet is still absolutely recognizable, still absolutely dominant as a figure who can say, this is what my life was about. There's others that are not so exciting like this. We see a picture of someone like this, and and you will have a word or a phrase that will come into your mind that defines his impact on our world. I think of words like racist or dictator or holocaust. Each of them had a, a sentence or a phrase or a word that defines who they had become. Now, it didn't happen in a moment. It wasn't just at a graduation rite of passage moment. It was the 50, 60, 70 years of culmination that led to their impact. Let's go to the next one. We see someone who's possibly the antithesis of this. You see, Mother Teresa, in a word like servant comes to your mind, or a word like humble comes to your mind, or, or a phrase like heart for the poor comes to your mind. But right, wrong, or indifferent, there is a sentence that defines what their life has been about. We go on to the next. Some people's life sentence can be summed up in in an equation. 
There's a lot of wonderful things that could be said, and, and I just finished a, an amazing audio book on the life of Albert Einstein, but, but Albert Einstein, you, you could kind of sum up why he's been so important to us, and E equals MC squared. There is an equation, there's a culmination of life work that is what we know him by. And we see the next, Abraham Lincoln, integrity comes to my mind. Freedom and equality of all mankind comes to my mind. We go to the next. Billy Graham. We see a a person who has had a heart for evangelism. And and if I had to put a sentence, it would probably be this sentence. Come now and accept Jesus as your personal Savior. He has probably uttered that statement, that sentence, to more people than any other person on the face of the earth. In in live communication, in telecast communication, he has made his life about that phrase, come accept Jesus. That's been his sentence, what he has been about. Every person has a sentence. Whether you know it or not, you have something that defines you. They're not all great, some may be silly, and some are still in process, but I'm not sure where this next figure fits in all the others. But I, I think of people that we see and we know, and their life is an ending, but you may watch the popular television show Shark Tank, Mr. Wonderful, and the thing that comes to my mind is the phrase of, I want 51%. It's a show where they're investing in new business ideas, and he always wants control. And if you don't give him the control he wants, his phrase is, you're dead to me. And so our knowledge of him is, I want control. If not, you're dead to me. We can pick out a hero. We can pick out a popular figure. We can pick out someone in history. But we need to understand what our life sentence is. So let's do that for just a moment. What is a life sentence? sentence a life sentence it's not about serving time it's not about putting in time it's about how you invest your time we think of jeremiah 29 11 and that coming in the context of 70 years it can feel like a life sentence where i just have to serve my time and wait out until i see this blessing but it's how we invest our time that brings up that one statement that sentence of who we are psalm 90 verse 12 says this Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are. Help us spend time, spend them as we should. Why is this life sentence or this summary of our life so important? I would suggest today it's this. Choosing your life sentence, it will allow you to be proactive with your life rather than being reactive. It's in moments like this that we can look to the future and our hopes and dreams, but we need to remind ourselves that everybody gets somewhere, but few of us get somewhere on purpose. Where is it that I'm intending to go? And so on days like this where we're honoring our investment in our kids, honoring the investment of the church and the life of the next generation, we're celebrating and making our commitments publicly of what we're going to do before God and our our family here at church, we need to ask ourselves, am I planning my future with the end in mind do i have some kind of scope of where i think i need to be going choosing your life sentence allows you also to recognize opportunities that god would bring into your life if i'm thinking about the end in mind what i want my life to be about i can begin to look for what god is bringing in to my 
life. Ephesians 5, 15 and 17 is paraphrased this way in Eugene Peterson's The Message. So watch your step. Use your head. Make the most of every chance you get. These are desperate times. Don't live carelessly, unthinkingly. Make sure you understand what the Master wants. When I'm choosing what my life will be about, if I could put it in a phrase or a sentence, I'm starting with the end in mind. I can begin to see that God has a plan And it may take a life for it to take place, but it's important. Well, how should I choose this sentence? How should I narrow down this life sentence? Well, I believe we need to include God in our plans. We can go on to the next slide here. How should I choose my life sentence? The next one, one more. I need to include God's plan for my life as I choose this sentence. It's not just about what's trendy. It's not just about what makes the most money. It's not just about what the family trade has been. It's not just about what my hopes and dreams are for my kids. I want to have God impact me as I'm making a decision about what my life should be about. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12 is paraphrased this way. It's in Christ that we find out who we are and what we are living for. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eye on us, had designs on us for glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and every one. See, our life can be summed up in a sentence. How we choose what it is we are about is very important. Allowing God to be the center of how we choose to define ourselves is absolutely critical. And here are three things that I think help us see what God wants to do in every single person's life. I don't know who it is that, that every graduate is supposed to marry if it's God's will for them to be married. I don't know how to answer what God wants to do in your next chapter of your life. But these things are true for every single child of the King. I want you to first see that you were created to experience God's love. When you're looking at your sentence, what you want on your tombstone, what your life will be about, when people see your picture, what they will remember about you, God has a plan for you, and it's first and foremost this, to know that you were created to experience Him. John three sixteen and 17, this is how much God loved the world. He gave His Son, His only Son, And this is why, so that no one would need to be destroyed by believing in Him, anyone can have whole and everlasting life. God didn't go to all the trouble to send His Son merely to point a finger of accusation, telling the world how bad it was. He came to help and to put the world right again. Sometimes I think a paraphrase like that is helpful for a verse that we've memorized and we know it over and over and over again to hear that God has a plan, and He wants you to experience His love. But it's not just an experiencing His love. He created us to express His love. Is there anything in my life sentence that would ever speak to me experiencing the love of God? Is there anything in the description of my life that would talk about me expressing the love of God to Him? Would I express love to God? Matthew 22 and 36 through 38 we find Jesus giving us some words. He was asked, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replies, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first greatest commandment. We have it written on our wall to your left. 
1 John 5, 3. The proof that we love God comes when we keep His commands and they are not at all troublesome. I begin to live obedient and so I love God by obeying God. I love God by putting Him first in my life. I was created to experience His love. I was created to love Him. And I was created and you were created to extend God's love to the world around us. Matthew 22, 39-40. And the second... Is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Jesus says, love God, make Him first, and love everybody else around you. That's the most important law. And He gives us our commission, our commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that Jesus has commanded us to do. That's what we have been about. And so if I'm beginning to look at Jeremiah 29, 11, God has a plan for my life. I begin to see it in reality that, that maybe it's going to take 70 years for it to be about in, in, in my life coming to fruition. Could I possibly see that God may want to chisel away at me and chisel away at you and begin to help us see he's created us to experience his love, to love him and to love somebody else around us as he's bringing that hope and future into focus. Finally, today's my time is coming to an end. What will your life sentence communicate? I'm anxious to ask our graduates this question, but as I said this morning, I don't think it's just for them today. See, your life sentence and my life sentence will reveal who and what really mattered in our life. What could be said in a word, a phrase, or a sentence about us, will communicate what and who really mattered in your life. And so when we look about Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, to give you a hope and future and prosper you. Sometimes we think about, oh, I'm going to get that grade. I'm going to get that entrance into that college. I'm going to meet that special person. I'm going to get that job. Finally, my kids are going to be grown and gone and out of the house. Finally, I'm going to be a grandparent. Finally, I'm going to be without pain once I get that procedure done. What is it that I'm hoping and dreaming for? Is there anything in my hopes and dreams, anything in my life sentence that would articulate what's most important to me? I'm not saying it's bad to have goals. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have a desire to achieve and and work hard. But what is it your life is absolutely about? It will tell you what you worship and what you live for. At the end of that sheet, you have an exercise that I challenge you sometime before you go to bed tonight. Just imagine one more slide. Let's go one more. And one more. Very good. This wonderfully encouraging message on Graduation Sunday, imagine you're looking at your tombstone tonight. What would you hope that would be written right there about you? On your sheet, it says this. I want my life sentence to be, and then write your name. Brady is, Brady was. What would you want it to be? Is there any evidence of God in there? Take your Bible and turn with me to Jeremiah 29:12 as we close. When 70 years have completed for Babylon, I'll come to you and fulfill my gracious promise, bringing you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Here's the greatest news. Then you will call upon me 
and come and pray to me. And I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me. When you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back from captivity. As we close today, I think the good news is God has a plan for you. The bad news is it may not be what you think it is, and it may take 70 years for it all to come together. But the great news is God's greatest plan for your life, the life sentence is He is your plan. I don't know what job you will or won't get. I don't know how success, successful you will be compared to the world's standards. I don't even know what newspaper article, what they would say about your picture in your obituary. But I know that God says, my plan for you is, no matter what exile you face, no matter what problems you face, you call out to me, I will hear you. I will answer you, and I will deliver you in my time. So our hope today is bright. Not because I get everything I want. Not because when I live for Him, all of my cares and concerns go away. But because He is big enough, He is strong enough, that He keeps the end in mind. He says, Brady, when you make a 70-year commitment to me, to call out to me in times of trouble, know that I will listen. When I make a 70-year, 80-year, 90-year, 100-year commitment to God that I will pray and seek Him with all of my heart, He promises that I will find Him and I will delight in Him. I believe that's a life sentence that is worth living. Would you stand with me as we close this morning? Heavenly Father,